the self-worth word is very key. That expression is very key. And, and it goes back to that question of the come from. Why do we do what we do? So are we helping others? Are we giving? Because it's in our heart, because it's in our nature to do so, because it makes us good to, to do so. Great. Or are we giving, giving, giving in order to receive validation from somebody else, in order to receive love, in order to be seen? And those are the situations where it's, where it's not healthy. And, and, and that's not going to ultimately um, do what we wanted to do, which is build up our self-esteem. There are other ways to do that. Um, because that if we're giving from that level of trying to fill something that's missing in us, it's, it's insatiable. There's no amount of giving, giving, giving that's ever going to make us feel good enough about ourselves. And that's part of why we resent it. Because we have this need that is never going to be met by anybody that we're giving to. Only we can do that. Only we can fill that hole. Only we can make ourselves feel whole and complete and feel good about ourselves. And, and I know what I'm talking about. I'm, you know, my, I know self-doubt. I know self-hatred. My mm. entire adolescence was one long depression. Um, and these days, it's like, that's not even an issue. Like, no matter what happens in my life, no matter the, the details, whether a relationship works out or it doesn't, whether a project succeeds or, or it fails, in, in quotes, never, ever, ever do I question my self-worth. Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. And I'd like to welcome Mr. Christian De La Huerta here. Uh, he's a transformational coach, an author, uh, if I read correctly, a spiritual teacher, and you're into breath work. Did I get yeah. that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Um, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I've been doing that personal healing and transformational work for about 30 years, a little bit over 30 years. Um, and yeah, I do retreats, I do workshops, I have a couple of books out. Um, and it's really the most meaningful thing that I do, like knowing that what I do makes a difference in real human lives. Um, it's nothing better than that for me. So you uh, you got some praise from Gloria Stefan. Did, did I read that correctly? <laughs> you did. <laughs> yeah, I still can't get over the fact that she gave me a, a beautiful endorsement for my latest book. Um, and what's the name of that book? It's called Awakening the Soul of Power. Ah, okay. Got to tell me a little bit more about that book. Well, it's about how we step into power, personal power, in a way that's not about hierarchy, control, fear, force, domination, in a way that doesn't require that we push anybody down or, or feel the need to step on them in order for us to, to feel powerful. Like, how do we do it in a different way? Um, and so I talk about, because the thing is that most of us, I think, have an ambivalent relationship to power, maybe even conflicted. Like part of us wants it, part of us is afraid of it. And I think that what we fear is that we, if we really stepped into our power, that other people wouldn't be able to handle it and that we might end up rejected, alone, and who wants that? Um, I think we also fear that we might abuse it. And no wonder, like how many times have we witnessed um, abuses of power in our lives? And then on top of that, we've been conditioned to believe that power is a bad thing uh, with quotes like power corrupts and 
absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. But what they didn't tell us about that quote is that Lord Acton, who spoke those words, was speaking specifically about political power, not personal power. So what happens when you put all that into a mix and you add to the mix the fact that we've been conditioned to avoid the emotions, to run away from the emotions and from conflict. Um, we're, we, we hate conflict like the plague. So what happens is that we end up giving away our power. Uh, we end up saying yes when inside it's really not okay with us. So we override our feelings, our preferences, our dreams, our desires in order to settle, uh, to not rock the boat too much. And we end up not doing ourselves in any favors in the process. Yeah, I've had jobs where I've had great bosses. And then I've had jobs where I've had some horrible bosses. Some that they... uh well, I'll say I had one specifically that he patted himself on the back all the time. And uh, I mean, quite honestly, it was our guys that was doing all the work and coming up with the ideas. But of course he took all the praise and he was a tyrant, you know, it was his way or the highway didn't want to listen. And, you know, granted I, I was a supervisor and it's not a whole lot of power, but, uh, you know, I had somewhat, uh, I had, I was over all the crews. And so the way I approached it, I definitely didn't want to be like him, but I, I let the guys know I was in charge, but that I was open to hear their ideas. Cause I mean, let's face it, it, you know, I worked in the water department, you got a guy working down in the hole and he sees things that I don't see, but he may have a better idea than what we came up with in the beginning. Well, then I want to hear what he has to say. And if it's feasible, then, Hey, let's try it. And even when I was over just a crew, the crew leader, I I always wanted to listen to my guys. I wanted to teach them everything I knew, but you had guys that, when they got that power, they didn't want to teach anybody anything. Hmm. And my, my thought was, okay, if, if I have somebody prepped that could take my position and something higher came along, then I'm could step into that role. And that person could step right into my role and everything can keep going smoothly. Some people didn't look at it that way. They're afraid somebody's going to take my job. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? Well, I mean, you just, you just, um, first of all, you're, you're, that boss sounds like my last boss that I had with my, <laughs> my last corporate boss of the hospital administrator where I worked was just what you said. It was like a little Napoleon with an insecurity complex, who then <laughs> overcompensated by being, becoming a tyrant. Um, and then he would take credit for everything that everybody did and all the accomplishments. And so that's, yeah, that's a total example of, of, the way that we look at power, you know, the way that the world tends to look at power, like in a hierarchical, exclusive, um, zero-sum game, so that your having power takes away from mine. Whereas the way that you were being in your in your leadership role, it was the is what I call spiritual power, uh, which is no less powerful. I actually think it's more powerful, and it's not threatened by other people it's so self-confident that it doesn't feel threatened by other people having power like if, if i'm in my power 
if I know who I am, I know that I can handle whatever comes my way. So then I'm not threatened by you being in your power and I can celebrate and support that. Um, and so you just pointed to a couple of really good differences between what I, you know, worldly power um, and soulful power or spiritual power. I think also good, good things to remember the differences between them is that worldly power always has an agenda. So it's always trying to get something for itself. And it's always trying to blow itself up to seem bigger than it is. Whereas spiritual power or soulful power, it's, again, it comes from, it's about service. It's about making a difference, uh, which is where you were coming from. You were, you were putting the needs of your team and the needs of the overall, you know, the bigger organization ahead of your own personal um, insecurities like your boss was. Um, and, and then also it's, it's humble. Like it doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. So I think of a, a, a Gandalf or a Gandhi, you know, in their, in their simple monastic robes, their sandal feet. When we look at them from the outside, you'd never know uh, how much power they hold until it's needed. And then get out of the way. Um, Gandhi brought the British Empire to its knees when it was at its highest point in terms of global influence and global reach without ever shooting a gun or landing a punch. That's power. Yeah, no kidding. I want to get your thoughts on something because this story just came to me. But we had a summer that it was, I mean, it was blistering hot. We weren't getting any rain. And so what happens is the the ground here would get real hard and then it would start to, to separate, right? And it would cause a lot of the pipes to burst. And I mean, we were having water leak after water leak after water leak. And my guys, I'll give them so much credit because, I mean, we were getting so many in just a regular day that I had to ask some of them, can you stay over and work late? And I mean, sometimes they were putting in 18 hours a day. It was ridiculous. Mm. And it even got to the point where, I got a, a backhoe and I got a, a couple of guys from the sewer department that would come help us in the evening. And I ran a, a crew myself just to try to catch up. And it was like that the whole summer. And my guys, they were busting butt and they were exhausted. And, you know, you can thank them all day long, but it doesn't express how much you appreciate what they were doing. Cause hmm. I mean, you're making the city look good by working so hard and then you're keeping the customers happy because, you know, they don't have water gushing out of their yard. That's and, right. You know, they got good water pressure or whatnot. Well, it got to where the weather was getting cooler. We were starting to get a little bit of rain. So things were quieting down and we were going to have our, our weekly meeting so on my way to work that morning, I said, you know, it's a, it's a small thing, but I'm going to stop and I'm going to buy all the guys kolaches and donuts and, you know, just to say thank you. So I came in, I, I put them on the table and I gave a little speech telling the guys, you know, great work. You worked hard and it's going noticed, you know. So the meeting ended. And my boss calls me in the office and I got chewed out. Mine just is, this is my money. I'm not spending the city's money. It's my money. I got chewed out. What? He says, you got to stop praising these guys. They're going to, they're going to stop working for you. And I mean, just 
reamed me a good one. So wow. I'm I'm feeling kind of defeated, you know, and I didn't know what to say or do. I just okay, and I, you know, went about my business. And about a was about two weeks later, um, we had another meeting, and my boss came in with kolaches and donuts for everybody, <laughs> and I. I just shook my head. I'm like, what, what, <laughs> what did I do wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think of that? Exactly. <laughs> it's actually kind of, kind of sad and pitiful that, you know, somebody like that, that your boss was like that. It just, I mean, so insecure, uh, so threatened by you shining uh, and then puts you down, but only to, to then take the idea and run with it. Um, and so short-sighted. I mean, like you, you were approaching it from from the right perspective, which is like your your effectiveness and your success is going to be as good as your team is. So anything that you can do to encourage and um, support and nurture uh, and cultivate your, your team so that they are more... Um, inspired to give you more it's like that's that's an investment in, in the organization well worth it but that was my thought is if you show the guys that you know you you do notice and you appreciate them that they would want to continue to work hard you know you know every once in a while the during uh, all that stuff going on uh, myself and one of the other supervisors we'd stop and you know buy cokes and popsicles and things like that because it's hot out there and you know you want to give the guys a little break and a little treat and i just thought that one day yeah. kolaches and donuts everybody loves kolaches and donuts at work so. <laughs> yeah well you know it's a difference you're pointing to is like another way to 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 speak about it is a leadership style one one is the old way to do it which is power over and you're going to do it my way or the highway and it's hierarchical and you're going to do it because i say so Mm-hmm. Or, or or get out um, versus, you know, the servant leader um, who kind of leads from behind and, and one, wants to make sure that nobody gets behind, nobody gets left behind. Um, and it's all about service, uh, not feeding, you know, one's ego uh, and taking credit for it all. And and to me, you were, the stories that you're telling embody those two different leadership styles and power styles. And see that that's what we dealt with all the time, and, and I'll tell you, I, I just one day I had enough, and I I finally I went in and I I told my boss exactly how I felt without being rude or anything, but I I laid it on the line and I, I walked away from it. I went and found a job at another city and I walked away from it, and I'd been there for, gosh. 17 years i think wow and i'm i had it made i had a company truck i could take home you know had an office and you know i'll honestly other than maybe telling the guys what they needed to do as far as the job went i didn't do much anything you know paperwork but i mean they, they're the ones that busted their butts and i I look you know, at it but is, let's but let's not diminish what you did do, which is manage the team and and lead the team in a way that that was serving 
everybody, both the organization and the department and the city and the workers. That's, there's a lot to be said for that. And I think you're a bigger man than I, than I was for lasting that long. I didn't last like a, more than a year under that guy's leadership style. I couldn't stand him. Couldn't no. stand the, the working for somebody like that. It's miserable. Well, I'll tell you when I had my exit interview, I told them the reason why you have so much turnover in our department is our boss. He's the one causing all the problems. And it's like, well, why did we even bother to have an exit interview? They, they're not going to listen. Nothing changed when I left. They didn't even talk to him. I mean, I didn't expect the guy to get fired, but I expected him to go and say, hey, you need to change. Just nothing. as bad. Yeah. Nothing. Is it a political appointment kind of thing? No, you you get hired like, you know, you you come in as uh they very rarely hired a supervisor outside of the the city itself. Now, sometimes they would hire a supervisor from another department, which I didn't get. They got somebody in parks and rec that comes to, a, you know, utilities. They have no idea what we do and right. how we do it, but you get hired through the regular process and work your way up. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd been working for uh, utilities for years when I started working there. And so I already had the experience, but I, I came in, actually I'd stepped down from a crew leader position back to a regular workers position, but I worked my way back up again. And, you know, and, and here's another thing. I uh, I had the experience. I'd already basically supervised, and I had all the licensing, everything. Mm-hmm. And so when the position came up for a, a foreman or supervisor, how you ever you want to look at it, I got the job. Now there was a guy who had been at that city a little longer than I had, but didn't have the experience, and he was he was pissed. Of course, he gave me a hard time when I'd ask him to do something. And a lot of times he wouldn't do it. And I very rarely rose my voice to the guys. But when you outright defy me, that's when I had to put my foot down and say, hey, I told you to do something. I expect you to do it. And he gave me the whole speech of, well, I've been here longer than you. I should have that job, blah, 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 blah. How do you handle folks like that? Well, you know, just I think you handled it the right way, which is, you know, social power doesn't mean we wimp out and become doormats. Right. It's 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 a very empowered way of being. It's just how how we relate to it and how we relate to others and how we communicate it is from a different perspective, a different come from. But if push comes to shove and we need to like, hey, you know, like let let them know what it, how it is. It's like we do that. Like it, we don't get walked over at all. We're very clear about who we are and what works for us and what doesn't work for us. And I think you did that. I think when you know you were very kind in general, very generous as a leader, as a boss. And yet when he got in your face, you communicated that clearly. Hey, hey, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your feeling that way or uh, about the situation. I had nothing to do with with making that choice. And here we are. You know, here's here's the situation. You know, it's the way it is, and you either get with the program or find something else. But 
it's not going to work this way. You know, I'm, I'm, if I, I don't want to be treated this way. And if I'm in this leadership role, I expect to be uh, respected as such. Exactly. Well, you know, people approach things in different ways and uh, I've had other transformational coaches on the show. Uh, what do you feel sets you apart from other coaches? Hmm. That's a good question, Kyle. I've never been asked that. I don't think in an, in, in an interview. Um, I mean, obviously I can't compare myself to all the other coaches because I, I don't know them. I only know a few, but what, but what I know about myself um, is that I walk my talk. Everything that I teach, everything that it's something that I practice myself. It's something that I believe I would never uh, suggest something or recommend something to someone if I didn't know myself that it worked and that I was willing to do it myself. And oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no worries. No worries. We can, we can go back and forth. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just wanted to know how you approach things uh, spiritually. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Well, yeah, I guess, and I guess that's another difference in, in that some coaches don't weave in the, the spiritual, and I do. I, my approach is, I would say, psycho-spiritual. Um, my degree's in psychology, so I, you know, I, I came out of the psychotherapy background. My dad was a psychiatrist. Um, and yet, you know, 30 years ago, I, I had an experience of breathwork, which is a, a healing practice that comes out of the yoga tradition. And it just blew me away. And, and, and it helped me to realize that we can't ignore this whole part of who we are as human beings, which, which is our spiritual nature, mm-hmm. which in the psycho, most psychotherapies will leave that out because it's not quote unquote scientific. Um, but you know what? Being human isn't scientific. There's, there are parts of being human that, that are not measurable. Um, and to me, it's, it's just, ludicrous to to leave entire parts of being human out of out of the equation um and as far as i'm concerned you know i think i'm paraphrasing i think it was Teilhard de chardana theologian um we are spirits having a human experience um and and so for me that are part of our nature part of who we are and it's important to to acknowledge it as so and to weave that in into our formulas and ways of of living that will lead to happiness and fulfillment and growth and evolution well a lot of people will just kind of i don't know they they, their whole life seems to be about the job or something else you know they put everything into their work but they leave out the balance of other things that are important in, in our lives um, I'm, I'm assuming that you teach on that balance, Drew. Yeah, for sure. To me, that's that's imperative. 
and and it's an ongoing lesson for me right to make sure that that i have that balance myself like i keep at that working at that because i'm you know i'm very very fortunate and i would even say blessed that my work is mission level work right so it's something that i would do even if i won the lottery i would do exactly what i'm doing <laughs> just on a much bigger scale with a bigger team and more support and you know people to do stuff that i don't want to do like marketing and stuff like that um but even even from that perspective even even if we're if we're lucky that we have the kind of work that is you know like a vocation that is something that that feeds us at a soul level instead of instead of sucking the very life force out of us that that balance is still important uh, so i still have to make sure that you know that i take time out for exercise for centering meditation all that kind of stuff for for just downtime sometimes i'm um i'm basically introverted so i'm when i'm working with groups which i do often i'm burning extra energy um so it's it's important for me to have time off and time alone uh, that's where i recenter that's where i refuel um re-energize and sometimes you know if i've been on the road for two weeks and just working and working with people all the time uh i might take a day or two just i don't talk to anybody when i get back home i TV therapy, you know, Netflix therapy is great. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we're going to the beach, spending time in nature, whatever it is that that feeds us, that recenters us. Really important that we weave that into our, our day-to-day lives. Oh, yeah. I've talked about this with a few other people, that importance of being grounded. And um, when I explain it, it's like you you go and you you find you a patch of grass or for me it's the water water just it calms me and so i'll 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 walk barefooted till i get to the water and i put my feet in and it's as if the earth is is taking all the negative out and then recharging me and you can't explain it you just have to experience it and i think you have to be open to it to understand what's going on uh, I mean, yeah. I'm sure you find that as well. Yeah, I'm with you. And for me, it's water too. For me, water is like, I love the mountains too. I've, I just spent last year, been doing the digital nomad thing uh, for the last uh, year and a half. And I spent probably six, seven, eight months in, in Quito in Ecuador, like 9,300 feet up. Oh, wow. Um, and, and it's beautiful. I love the mountains in Colorado. The Rockies are just amazing. But what really does it for me is the ocean. I, mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's no surprise I'm from a, from an island. I'm Cuban born originally. So, um, and even just looking at it, like right now I'm staying at a friend's place in South Florida, and I'm just looking outside. It's got a beautiful garden with a pool and lushly landscape. That's enough. Like if I can just look at it, it has a good it has enough of an effect for me. Well, I grew up outside of Houston, and if you've ever been to Houston, uh, you know a lot of in industry you know the chemical plants around there all that kind of stuff so the water is not great to get into (laughs) and and it's just it's too much city you know Um, even though i grew up outside of houston and you know more suburban life you behind my grandparents house you had some woods and would love to spend time back there but my when i got remarried my wife's family and friends, a bunch of them lived up here in the Austin area. So I'd come with her to visit 
and the hills, mm. the the lakes, the yeah. rivers, and it's all the water is so clean and so it's so wonderful. I don't know how to describe it. It's just perfect. And I was like, okay, this is where I need to be. And so <laughs> I, I found a job up here and we hightailed it up here as quick as we could. And even though I'm leaving family and friends behind, it's just, I don't know, man, it's so relaxing. It's, it's energizing to me. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I don't know. No, no, you do know. You do know. I think you're speaking beautifully and, and eloquently about it. Um, and Austin is beautiful. Um, and, and I think what you're really pointing us to is in the direction of self-care, which, you know, we have been so conditioned to believe that self-care is selfish and we're like trying to take care of everybody else and sometimes often neglecting ourselves and our own needs, our own yeah. desires and preferences. And yeah, that, that doesn't work. That might work for for a, for a short time, but if if we're not taking care of ourselves, and we're only giving, 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 at some point we start resenting that, mm-hmm. uh, and it starts. And then that service, because that's what we're doing, is helping others. But then that service, once we start getting bitter about it, it turns into servitude, and it's we might blame others for it, but it's really us. It's our fault that we're not taking care of ourselves. So we have to mm-hmm. remember. First thing when we board an airplane, you know, put on your mask first, even before that of a child. So we take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. Oh yeah. It's I, I love helping people. I honestly do. But there are times that I just I need to get away, even from family and friends. I just need sure. my own time. Just get away and get that meditation to get your mind right, you know. Yeah, even if it's an hour like you're talking about, getting your feet on the on the ground and this in the mm-hmm. sand by the, the riverbank or the lake or the ocean, even if it's just an hour, that's that helps. Helps us recenter, reconnect. And then we can come back to the family, to our work, to our to our loved ones with energy and not deplete ourselves. Hey, Bar and Grill fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-host sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! Another thing that I've experienced is, uh, that, that need of, uh, of having worth, you know, of feeling that, you know, I'm doing something for other people or I'm, I'm just working, you know, doing something. And the reason why I bring this up is, you know, I, I, uh, I ended up getting a, a spinal disease and so my, my bones deteriorate. I've had several surgeries and I know people have watched me for a while. I've heard, told the story a bunch of times, but I had to retire and I'm on disability. And I guess the one thing some folks are like, Oh, well you can, now you can just kick back and watch TV or do whatever. You don't have to do anything. But even after 
one or two days that got old. So I, I, I felt like God wanted me to do something and I, I love helping people. So is why I, I really kicked this podcast off. You know, my, my wife works and technically I don't, you know, this gave me some worth being mm. able to do something to help others. Um, what, what's your advice on, on what I'm doing? I love that, Kyle. I, Kyle, I love that about you, that that that's how you um, reaffirm your sense of self, um, that it's so woven into you that 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 desire to help others, that it's it's deeply ingrained in you, obviously. It says a lot about you and your heart. Um, what I would say to anybody watching or, or listening to this is to, to be mindful about that. Because the self-worth word is very key. That expression is very key. And, and it goes back to that question of the come from. Why do we do what we do? So are we helping others? Are we giving? Because it's in our heart. Because it's in our nature to do so. Because it makes us good to, to do so. Great. Or are we giving, giving, giving in order to receive validation from somebody else? In order to receive love? In order to be seen? And those are the situations where it's where it's not healthy, and 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 that's not going to ultimately um, do what we wanted to do, which is build up our self esteem. There are other ways to do that, um, because that if we're giving from that level of trying to fill something that's missing in us, it's it's insatiable. There's no amount of giving, giving, giving that's ever going to make us feel good enough about ourselves, and that's part of why we resent it, because we have this need that is never going to be met by anybody that we're giving to. Only we can do that. Only we can fill that hole. Only we can make ourselves feel whole and complete and feel good about ourselves. And, and I know what I'm talking about. I'm, you know, my, I know self-doubt. I know self-hatred. My mm. entire adolescence was one long depression. Um, and these days, it's like, that's not even an issue. Like, no matter what happens in my life, no matter the, the details, whether a relationship works out or it doesn't, whether a project succeeds or, or it fails in, in quotes, never, ever, ever do I question my self-worth. So that's unshakable. And so that I know if that can happen in me, it can happen in, in anybody. So how do you help those? Like, I'm, You brought up a good point because for the longest time, I, I hated myself. Mm -hmm. I I didn't care care if I lived or died. Um, I I felt worthless, and it just seems like I I couldn't do anything right. And I wondered how anybody could love someone like me. Why am I even here? Yeah. You know? So how do, um, how do you help someone who feels that way? Yeah, and and like I said, I know that place that that you're talking about. Um, and I know how to get out of it. Um, and, and you know, the first step is, is beginning to know ourselves. Mm. We can't do anything about what we don't see. So we've got to be willing to do the work. And it's work. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat it for anybody. It takes work mm. um, to go inside and to look at ourselves and to face our, our inner demons and our self-doubt and our fears. And it is so worthwhile because once we're willing to do that, then 
we can get help. Then we can do something about it. Then we can figure out and understand where those feelings come from. And, and so my approach is a combination of both understanding, like the cognitive understanding of how the mind works and what happened to us when we were kids, where we got these misunderstandings, right? Because that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we misheard something. Well, maybe one of our parents or a teacher or something said something to us in a moment of overwhelm or reactivity and, and they didn't really mean it, but to us, we took it on as truth. Um, or maybe, you know, like what I see happen often, you know, Parents get divorced, and then the little the little kid just decides, "Wow, it's my fault." Mm. Uh, and what's wrong with me? And how could they leave me? And what does that mean about me that they left? Don't they love me? And and what does it mean about me that they don't love me? What's wrong with me? And it's it's a it's it's a you know never ending kind of cycle. But the the sad part of it is that no nothing is true about it. Like of course we're worthy. Every single one of us is worth worthy. And worthy of love and worthy of being happy and worthy of having, um, you know, lives that, that are, you know, meaningful and purposeful. And like, and wouldn't we say that about every one of the 8 billion humans on this planet that just by virtue of being human, they deserve that to be loved and to be happy and to have meaningful work and meaningful life. And so when I look at it, even from that perspective, what makes us so special that we are the only ones in 8 billion who don't deserve it? who aren't worthy. So it doesn't add up. It's just, they're just misunderstandings of young minds that didn't know any better. And so, and and the sad part is that we have been functioning from those places of not feeling good about ourselves our entire lives. And that has impacted every one of our relationships. And so critical, critically important work. Yes, it's, it's courageous work. It takes courage to look inside and to face this stuff. But it is so worthwhile because it's empowering and liberating and, and freedom and the freedom to be who we are is, is the reward at the end. It's something else that I feel goes hand in hand with that is learning to forgive yourself. Uh, you know, I, I, um, I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And I, I feel like I really wrecked my kid's childhood by being that alcoholic and a jerk for so many years and i i changed and i talked to my kids and you know they 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 tell me they forgive me but yet i still pile that guilt on myself and i still can't forgive myself and I know there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way that you just cannot forgive themselves for the things that they've done. How do you, how does a person get past that? Yeah, I know. And that's a, that's a tough one. Cause I agree with you. I think self-forgiveness is even more difficult than forgiving others. Um, and I, and I think you're right. I think if we want to be whole and complete and in our power um, and self-expressed and happy, there's no way around forgiveness. We have to learn how to forgive and we have to learn to forgive even what feels unforgivable. Mm. And, and here's the way to think about that or the way that I think about it. Um, if we're holding somebody with a fire for what they did or failed to do, our hand is also getting burnt. And, and we've heard this in, in different ways from different people. Forgiveness is for us. And it doesn't mm. excuse. It doesn't exonerate. It doesn't make it okay, whatever they did. Um 
and and I learned this from from a teacher I studied with. Um, and and it makes here's here's a way to look at forgiveness that makes it more doable. Forgive two syllables. We flip the syllables around. Uh, give for. So what we're doing when we forgive, we're give, we're giving the other human and ourselves, uh, which as we said can be more difficult, the room, the space to be human, to make mistakes, to fall short of the mark, to make a royal effing mess of things, um, to be less than perfect, and and it's not rationalizing what they what they did. Like you know, it doesn't like I said, it doesn't excuse it. Um, and it doesn't mean that we have to hang out with them and be BFFs and go to brunch with them on Sundays. Uh, but if we want to be free, we need to forgive. Mm-hmm. And, and so what we do is we kind of place ourselves in their shoes. And, and the ego part of the mind, of, of the human mind, is very self-righteous. And, and, and we say to ourselves, well, we, I would never do that to anybody else. And true, that's probably true. But that self-righteousness creates a separation. Um, and so it makes forgiveness very difficult. So when we, what we're doing when we're giving the other person the benefit of the doubt, we're, we're walking a mile in their shoes, um, we're saying, we're putting in a question mark, right? We're getting off that self-righteous, I would never do that mm-hmm. um, stance. So we're saying, you know what? I don't know. I can't imagine ever being that way. But maybe if I had been raised in that setting by those parents and their parents before them in that situation, in that culture, um, with whatever information they had, who knows what was going on in their brains in terms of brain biochemistry, was there substance use? Who knows? Maybe I too might have turned out the same way. Maybe. Can't imagine it, but maybe. I don't know. And that question mark, that maybe is enough to get us off that self-righteous separation and to and begins to open the door to forgiveness. And, and so the same thing with ourselves. So now given where I was, given where I was raised, given the environment that I was that 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 I grew up in, given the way my parents raised me and their parents before them, the truth is I did the best that I could at that particular point in my life. Now I'm doing way better. I would never go back to doing it that way. And I'm really sorry about the way that 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 I was. And I learned from it. I've become a better person and I will make amends with my kids or whoever it is as needed. I will make it better. Have you ever dealt with someone that they needed their ego kind of brought down, but without destroying this, their self-esteem? Yeah, we all, we all do that. We all need that. <laughs> we, we all need to have a and, and that's a bigger, much bigger conversation because there's a lot of misunderstanding about what the ego is. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, most of us will f- hear the word and we think arrogance, you know, inf- inflated sense of self. And it is that. But it's a whole much more than that. Um, and, and so here's a just a simple metaphor that makes it easier to understand what the ego is. The, it, it's a part of the mind that it's the... It's the part of is the sense of I-ness, you know, like the sense of self, like ego in Latin means I. So mm-hmm. this is Christian, that's Kyle. It's ultimately an illusion and both a helpful illusion and the source of all our suffering. And so here's the, here's the image. If you put a baseball in the center of a stadium, that's what the ego is, that little part of, of, of us. Uh, who we are is actually the stadium. And we've allowed this tiny, tiny, tiny part of who we are to think that it is all of who we are. 
and to make really important consequential choices about our lives, about our relationships, about, about our jobs, our professions, all of it from its very small, limited, and always fear-based perspective. So part of what, to me, the process of, of healing, the process of transformation, the process of remembering, the process of awakening is realizing that we're not the baseball and, and shifting that, that consciousness from the baseball to the stadium. How about the narcissist? Yeah, I think that's an extreme form of that. How do you deal with someone like that? I, I know there's people in my life that have been in relationships with that narcissist and tears down the other person. I mean, they've, you know, the, my loved one gets tore down like the, the guilty one. It's all your fault. Yeah. And the, you know, the other one has to have this control. How do you deal with that? Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a, that's a really tough one. And again, there's a whole spectrum of what that means of narcissism. Um, and if it's a true, like, you know, like if it's a true narcissist, sometimes the best thing to do is just get away, walk away, because it's really hard to break through their, their filters, because everything gets filtered around them, what, what effect it has on them. Uh, so it's really difficult to get through that. Well, I know you have your typical narcissist, and then you have the sociopath. Yeah. I don't think you could deal with that at all. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about your breath work. We haven't really touched a whole lot on that. You know, I think that's when you asked me earlier, what makes me so, so, so effective as a coach and a healer is, is that's part of it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's both because I bring to my work both the combinations, the balance between the cognitive understanding, like we've been talking about of the mind and what makes us do the things we do um, and, and, and a deep understanding of that. Um, and then combine it with breath work, which is, I think where the healing ultimately happens. Mm -hmm. And I think I started to tell you that I was on a track to get a PhD in psychology until I had my very first session in breath work and I jumped tracks. I never went for the PhD because it works so fast and heals so profoundly at so many levels. I don't know anything more effective in, in terms of healing past trauma. Um, and, you know, we don't have time here either to, to get deeply into what breath work is, but you breathe in a particular way for um, an hour, an hour and a half, um, and amazing stuff happens. It heals not only mentally and psychologically and emotionally, uh, but spiritually and even physically. And I know that sounds too good to be true that just from breathing, all that can happen. But yeah, 33 years now doing it, I can't argue with results. I, I've done it all over the world. I've worked with millionaires and billionaires in China before the pandemic in, in, in just about every continent. Um, and it works, it works, and it works fast. Do you also, deal with uh, chakras or is that something outside of your realm no i actually do i actually do i don't i don't teach much about them but when when i'm doing breath work i am energetically you know the person doesn't something probably doesn't even know that i'm doing it but i'm working with them energetically so i might be um you know i'm not even making physical contact with their body but just you know above putting my hand over their their energy centers and I get a sense of what's which one's open, which one's not. Sometimes I get 
you know, an experience of pain. I can actually feel pain in my hand and in my arm. And so that I know that depending on which chakra it is, I have a sense of what's going on with them. You know, so for example, a lot of a lot of people have second chakra stuff that, um, you know, the, the center of sexuality and creativity. So a lot of people have been sexually abused. Mm-hmm. So so I, you know, work with that a lot and, and effectively, like it gets cleared. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, heart stuff, of course, you know, we... Um, the, the heart center, you know, for the many times that we were hurt in our lives and we closed our heart um, because we were cheated on or left or abandoned or whatever, whatever the reason may have been. Or, um, but the thing about that is, it, which is connected to the conversation about forgiveness, the, the, the thing is we can't close the heart selectively. We can't close the heart to to mom who did who didn't do this or dad who did that or the teacher or the minister or the ex who cheated on us. We can't just close it to them, mm-hmm. right? If we close our heart, we close our heart. Period. Um, so it's not even about them. It's it's this is between me and my heart. This is between my heart and love. Between my heart and life. And so that's one of the reasons that, that I think it's so important to forgive, because if as, until we do that, we're going to walk around with a closed heart. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, I've, yes, I've I have been hurt really bad and uh, I don't hide the things that happened to me. Um, and I, 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 I open up because I don't want sympathy i want others to know hey there's somebody that's been through what you've been through you know i had been molested as a child and uh, i don't know if sometimes the hurt that i caused was because of that or my ego just got the best of me or i i don't i don't know but i know when i was trying to get my life back together again and getting on the right path. I had someone that hurt me really, really bad. And that triggered a lot of those memories and uh, emotions. And uh, I literally ended up in an institution because it was that bad. Mm. And I don't, I don't understand why that particular relationship triggered everything. Cause I, I mean, I've been through breakups before, usually a couple of days and I'm, okay <laughs> but that one hit me hard and i don't know I, um maybe i should have known you back then i wouldn't have had to <laughs> go into the institution but i mean yeah. surely you've dealt with people who've gone through the same thing yeah i, I wish i wish we had known each other then because i could have i could have really been helpful and and i know my heart goes out to you kyle because i i too was abused um so i know i know what that feels like and i know it can be healed without a doubt and and there's a high correlation between um abuse and sexual abuse and you know that self-protective mechanism which we try to numb out those feelings with substances or food so high correlation between being overweight and sexual abuse um and so and, and yeah and and that impacts our ability to trust other other humans so it's it's really important to do the work and and it's not easy work and i'm not gonna sugarcoat it again for anybody but it is worthwhile and it is doable stuff gets healed whatever the trauma is i work with 
you know, people, you know, people who were raped and sexually abused and incest and victims of violent stuff, and it heals. Um, so, so I want to leave, you know, whoever's watching this to with that hope that whatever happened can be healed. I know that. Yeah. Well, it's great to have a, a support system around you. Uh, I, for one, had to leave certain people behind in my life. Uh, I've said this before. I love them from afar, but I just can't hang out with them uh, because, well, number one, they don't want to stop partying. <laughs> they still like to drink and do drugs, and I can't be around that. And I've surrounded myself with with people who have uh, goals in mind that are doing the right things, you know, they're living a clean life, trying to be healthy physically, emotionally, mentally. And so that's, that's been, that's been uh, my, I guess my therapy for the last few years is that whole change of the circle that I'm in. Uh, I give a lot of credit to my wife, Michelle, because she's the one that encouraged me to get back on a spiritual path. And um, she she uh, she does her best to help me with the forgiving myself and loving myself part. Um, and I've come a long way. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I, I have made strides, but there are still those moments where I just. I don't know. I, I sometimes I don't even want to wake up in the morning, you know. Mm. And again, Kyle, my heart goes out to you, and I can really feel like you're you're such a good man. Like you've got a good Thank heart. You. Thank you. Uh, and I'm sorry about what you went through, and and I'm sorry that you, those, those demons still, you know, sneak their ugly little heads from time to time. Um, and I'm glad. I'm really glad. Thank you, Michelle, that you've got your life managed. Uh, manageable and that you've got you know a life that works for you and that you're taking care of yourself um, and um, I want to promise you that there is a way that those those little voices inside our heads can be permanently quieted and, and those old voices of self-doubt and self-hatred can be permanently healed I, I, I know it because it happened in me Somebody out there is either watching this or listening to this and they're saying you know that Christian guy seems pretty cool uh, i might need his services how do they get a hold of you yeah that's that's kind thank you um probably the best way is my website soulfulpower.com s-o-u-l-f-u-l-p-o-w-e-r.com and for your audience anybody who's watching this will if they go to my website and sign up for my email list and we know how easy it is to click on subscribe if it's not for you and i'm not going to take it personally um, but anybody who does sign up, we'll send them a, a sample chapter of this latest book, uh, some power practices that designed to integrate the teaching so they don't stay at the level of information. We don't need more information. We've got information overload. What we need is transformation. Mm -hmm. And that only comes from, from really living and taking on a set of teachings. Um, and we'll send them a, um, a, a recorded guided meditation I did in the middle of the pandemic a couple of years ago that talks about how to find a place of trust, how to find center in how to be the eye of the storm in the middle of, of chaos. Um, and I hope that it's helpful. 
And what social media are you on? I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Insta, um, and through my website, they can access all that, all that social media. And you have a YouTube channel, right? I do. That's right. I do. I do. What's, what's the name of that uh, YouTube channel? That's a good question. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember if it's Chris, is it under my name or the business name, which is Soulful Power. But if they go to the website, they can access all that stuff. Well, I'm going to share all those links in the description. <laughs> I, I just like to torture my guests and make them say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, are you working on any other books? Yes. Uh, probably halfway done through my second book um, of this series, uh, which is going to be focused on relationships. So oh. how do, the first one is about empowerment. The second one is doing relationships consciously. So if you, if you are in relationship and, and have those basic human needs for companionship and intimacy and family and sex and all that good stuff, then what? How do we use that, that container of the relationship to speed up, to fast track our own process of healing and transformation? And if you're not in relationship and, and would like to be, how do we remove the subconscious patterns that have us sabotaging our relationships sometimes before we even get going by by attracting uh, or falling for the wrong people people you know who are just not the right match for us there doesn't mean we're better doesn't mean we're worse it's, we're just in different places in life with different values different goals or whatever but but what happens is that we we fall for people who who maybe live on the other side of the country or or a different state or they're already with somebody else or they're just not there um, emotionally and so we sabotage the relationships before we even get started. But the sad thing is that we ensure the very same thing we're trying to avoid, which is being alone. Um, and so it's not a good strategy. So, but again, it's what we were talking about before. We have to become aware of why we do the things we do um, before we can do anything about it. Because a lot of the stuff is all subconscious. Yeah, we have to get ourselves right before we can really share ourselves with other people so um, that's right whenever uh your book comes out um, i think we should have another conversation i would love that kyle i've, I've enjoyed it i've enjoyed the nat- how natural it is and the back and forth and thank you for having me on the show and thank you for having the show because i know in your in your willingness to do that you, you people are being helped you're making a difference so thank you I appreciate those words, and I hope we really are helping folks out there. I I believe it. It we are making a difference it, because I'll get a message every once in a while from folks who have gone through something, and they thank me for having guests on that have helped them with whatever the problems are. And I appreciate that. You have no idea how much I appreciate the kind words, and I, I appreciate you in general for for being here so if this is your first time i hope you'll come back i think thank you and i encourage y'all to please subscribe to the channel uh, for my regulars thank you for making it possible for me to do this and so until the next one everyone please take care be kind to one another god bless and peace we hope you enjoyed this episode of listen to the vibes You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network 